We could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. Thud, 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 thud. <laughs> Boom, Boom. Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. It is Wolf and Luke on this Monday morning, 38-35 yesterday. We can get into the holding call that they've shown on this TV 57 times in the last two minutes. Um, but I, I really I want to start here, Wolf. Patrick Mahomes wins that game. That's now two Super Bowl wins, three appearances, uh, two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs. You know, you and I talked about this last week, and I and I brought it up, and now I think it's even more um, relevant, and it, I think it's probably just going to get more and more relevant over time. I know people like to use how, how many Super Bowl rings do you have? Whoever has the most is the best quarterback, right? Yeah. Now, with Brady, that's unassailable right now. The man has seven Super Bowl rings, and it's not like he was a passenger for four of them. So this is not a knock on Tom Brady. But I'll go back to what I said last week. Why that... That Mahomes lost to Brady in the Super Bowl a couple years ago was so big. How different would we view everything right now if it's Brady has six rings and he just retired, Mahomes already has three, and look at how he's playing. Because right now, Mahomes is the only guy that could work his way into the conversation for greatest quarterback of all time. We're talking five, six, seven, eight, nine years from now, obviously. But to me, if you're within like two Super Bowls of Brady and you look the way Mahomes does, you can be in the conversation. But the thing is, he's still five Super Bowls beyond See, Brady. and that's what I'm going to say honestly right now. I love Patrick Mahomes. Oh, my goodness, he's the best quarterback on the face of the planet right now. But don't even compare him to Tom Brady. But it's not, it's not can you it's, compare him now. Just, I know, but uh, people, I was talking to Michael DeCourcy about this very very thing right here. Um <laughs> Listen, it's, it's, I know we all want to do this. We want to project, project, project. Where is Patrick Mahomes going to be? Can we just sit here and absorb the fact that Tom Brady just retired? The greatest quarterback ever to play in the National Football League, the GOAT, bar none. And there's nobody out there that really disputes it. Not on February 13th, 2023. But if you're telling me 10 years from now, Mahomes has five Super Bowls. Can we worry five years from now? Can we start talking about that then? Can we Can we do it but then? You, will you grant me this, though? Just grant me this. It's not just Super Bowl rings. Like, if Mahomes gets close by the end of his career, we can have the conversation. Man, you know, uh, again, how many yards is he going to throw for? How how healthy just the way is he Patrick looks when Mahomes he plays. going to be? Stop and think about it right now. How many years has he played in the league? How healthy is Pat Mahomes going to be? Tom Brady played 23 years. <laughs> 23 years in the National Football League went to 10 Super Bowls, which is stunning to me. When I think he went to every 2.3 years, he's playing in a Super Bowl. Um, yeah, but don't see, don't now, hold me to the math. No. <laughs> well, he was. He was basically playing every other year for a while. I just need to make this clear because I don't want the, the Brady people. I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. I'm saying the only one who could – we have somebody that could potentially be in the conversation with Brady in a decade. And that's almost inconceivable to me with what Tom Brady has done. 
Wow. I'm telling is you, he man. Really though? I mean, do you really look at Pat Mahomes and go, man, you know, if he if he gets five more Super Bowl rings, no, no, no. He's I'm not saying be- five more. I'm saying I just want the groundwork laid out now that it's not well, if he doesn't get exactly seven, he's not as good. Now seven to two is not close. <laughs> seven to five at a certain point though, I think it's gotta be more than exact number of rings. Seven to six, I think you have a conversation. Now Mahomes probably isn't gonna get five or six. Uh, he's probably not gonna get six. He might get five. But you talk about how many years he's been in the league. He's been in the league for five years. They've been to the AFC Championship every year, right? They've been to the Super Bowl. He's been in the league six years, but he didn't play his first year. You know, once again, who knows how long Pat Mahomes is going to play? I have no idea. If he plays 15 years, that's a long time for Patrick Mahomes to play. That's a long time for any quarterback to play 15 years. It'll be eight years short of Tom Brady. Who, by the way, has won five MVP, Super Bowl MVPs. Five. Not just Super Bowls, but five Super Bowl MVPs. You know, it's it, to me, right now, just let's all sit around and look at Pat Mahomes and say, this is a great talent. What a great talent this guy is. Let's appreciate Patrick Mahomes for being the best quarterback on the face of the planet right now. Instead of having to juxtapose him with Tom Brady. And boy, let's project Pat Mahomes and see, is he going to be the greatest quarterback of all time? I think it's inevitable. I think he's, he's too, he has already putting himself in that conversation where he's only going to be compared to Brady. And it's going to be unfavorably for a decade because nobody can be compared to Brady. You know what's so funny about it, though, right now, based on only stop and think about this. He's he's already lost the Super Bowl. He's been to three Super Bowls. He was one and one. And he was very, very close to losing this Super Bowl as well. And everyone was talking about that. Is what's going to happen if Pat Mahomes goes one and two in three Super Bowls? Well, and Hertz would have been one and zero oh with the performance <laughs> he had. People would be like, "Oh, Hertz is the best." Exactly. Yeah. And people would have let's project Hertz and but, see what he's going to be saying, like compared with to Mahomes. Tom Brady. With Mahomes winning yesterday, and he was the MVP. He was the main reason they won. Although Kadarius Tony was huge too. But but Mahomes went. <laughs> there was a lot of other guys who had something to do. But with that's the, the same win with well. Brady. It's not like Brady single handedly won all these Super Bowls. That, but Tom Brady again. It's not just the Super Bowls with Tom Brady. It's how long he's played. But the whole point of what I'm saying and is played well. Mahomes winning the Super Bowl yesterday went from the conversation of, okay, well, how close is Jalen Hurts getting and how close is Josh Allen and Joe Burrow to he's not in that conversation anymore. He's starting to go into the all-time conversation. Here's Ryan Clark. Patrick Mahomes has put himself in the conversation for best of all time or best we've seen just simply off of the way he plays the game, the excellence in which he's shown since he became the starter of the Kansas City Chiefs. And let's talk a little bit about the numbers. There are the two MVPs, the two Super Bowl wins. There's also the five AFC championships, the three conference championships that he's won, and then it's watching him play and what he means to this team. To me, Patrick Mahomes is already top three all time. You're going to include him in conversations with Joe Montana and Tom Brady, but then when you look at both of those players as compared to Patrick Mahomes and the skill set and the talent and the things that he can do on the field that we've never seen, I don't believe that's close. Okay, you know what, honestly, if you want to go this, if you want to use this criteria right here, okay, I get it. Pat Mahomes has won two Super Bowls. Peyton Manning, you want to watch Peyton Manning play the quarterback position? There's not a human being ever in the history of mankind that mastered playing the quarterback position better than Peyton Manning. 
Not even close. I agree with you on Manning. This, this guy, I mean, if you just want to look at somebody that totally knew the game plan, absorbed the football universe, knew everything about the game, and went out and played at an incredibly high level. Now, I know he didn't win Super Bowls the way that Tom Brady won Super Bowls. But if you want to talk about a guy that played the quarterback position at a higher a, a higher level than Peyton Manning, show me that guy. There's been there's been those out there, Pat Mahomes, that have played it as high as Peyton Manning, but show me somebody who played the position better, game in and game out, than Peyton Manning. I can't. I, I but the worst year I ever saw Peyton Manning play, he won a second Super Bowl with Denver, and I think you just hit on something right there too. Manning had the unfortunate timing of going up against Brady every single year. Mahomes doesn't have to go up against Brady anymore unless he comes back and plays for San Francisco next year. Mahomes isn't going to have to go up against Brady. That's what I'm saying. I don't know that he has a peer right now the way the way Manning did with Brady or Brady vice versa. But Brady won almost every time. I agree with you. Just watching just the eye test, Manning always looked like a better quarterback to me than Brady. Brady won seven rings and Manning finished with two. So it's almost impossible to have the debate. And if Patrick Mahomes retires tomorrow. It'll be impossible to have that debate, too. But if this guy gets, like, three more rings, it's it's going to be a real thing. Um, do the Cardinals, and they're the favorites again next year. When we come back, do the Cardinals have a chance to land Eric Bieniemy as their next offensive coordinator? Where did that come from? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Cardinals head coaching search. Update. 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 throw a couple tweets at you here, Wolf. First of all, Tyreek Hill, who I don't follow and keeps ending up on my timeline on Twitter somehow, tweeting out during the game yesterday, boy, 15-87 has to be the greatest duo of all time. Love watching it. You know, Tyreek, you could have you just stayed there. Been on that team. Yeah, that is. Anyways, he's doing well in Miami. He is. Of course. But I was just surprised to see him tweet that out, partially because I don't follow him, but also partially, like, of all people that tweeted out. Yes. You know, I love this. I love confessing where I've been wrong based on it. I love it. And for whatever reason, it just makes me feel so clean. And I was so dead wrong on that one because I thought Tyreek Hill. Oh, well, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have to figure out how to play without Tyreek Hill. I thought he was that big of a cog in that offensive wheel. That was incorrect. No, that was correct. They had to figure it out, but they just did. <laughs> they figured it out to where they actually scored more points this year per game than they did the year before with Tyreek Hill. Incredible what the Kansas City Chiefs have done. Let me throw this other tweet at you. It's not Tyreek Hill. It's Cameron Cox of uh, of Channel 12. Cameron Cox, who now everybody remembers from having the picture of Sean Payton and uh, Michael Bidwell. But Cameron Cox does a lot more than that. He tweeted this out about a half hour ago. Can confirm reports Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon is interviewing today. Been told it's down to Gannon or Bengals DC Lou Anarumo. If Lou is hired, Vance Joseph would likely stay, and he'd bring an experienced offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, unquote. That's from Cam Cox. Wow. So there's no Mike Kafka in that tweet. Okay. Um, What does that mean? What what does that mean right there? Uh, Okay, he's been told. (laughs) Cam, breaking some story. Cam. 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 We're we're running out of cams in this city, so we got to, yeah. Cam Cox has been elevated to replace Cam Johnson at this point. Uh, there's a lot in there. 
So if Lou Anarumo's hired, he doesn't say Vance Joseph will definitely be the defensive coordinator, but he says Vance Joseph would likely stay. That's interesting. It also goes back to the conversation we were having earlier. Eric Bieniemy as a possible offensive coordinator candidate for the Cardinals. Is that just if it's Mike Kafka? Yeah. That's who yeah. he has the ties to, or could he be here with one of these other guys as head coach? If you're Eric Bieniemy, would you take a lateral move to be under a first-year head coach. I mean, he's what he's talking to the commanders about an offensive coordinator position. Um, he's still, I, I saw this morning, he has an outside shot at being the Colts head coach, but that really doesn't seem like it. It seems like they're all in on Shane Steichen. Yeah, right. Um, there's a lot of different ways this could still go now for the Cardinals. Let me just say this quickly, Luke, if you don't mind. Um, Luana Rumo was the Miami Dolphins' secondary coach, their DB coach. Back in 2016, when Vance Joseph was the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. Okay. Do you think they know each other? (laughs) Say yes. (laughs) They know each other. Not only that, they've worked together before. You have to wonder. The coaching ranks are a little quid pro quo, Basinonians. Sometimes it's for the good. Sometimes it's for the worse. But one thing in exchange for another, if you know what I mean. And you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Well, and following that logic right there, I mean, not everybody who knows each other and works together liked each other, Correct. right? Correct. But um, you could see a path where the Cardinals, because it's not like Vance Joseph's being let out to interview for other defensive coordinator positions. You could see a path where the Cardinals would like to keep him in some sort of role. And so if it's like, hey, we're going to hire the new coach, we'd like to keep Vance. And that new coach knows and already likes Vance. It's not you're just pushing him on Mike Kafka or whoever, some guy that maybe doesn't know Vance. If it's like, hey, it's Lou Anarumo, and he already knows Vance, and he would he would probably bring Vance in in this role anyway, that you could see a path to something like that happening. Right, exactly. And I know I got you sidetracked because you were talking about Eric Bieniemy And Eric Bieniemy this blew my mind. This was, the, of, of everything that happened, when you talk about the Arizona Cardinals coaching search, this is the last rumor I expected to hear that somehow, some way, Eric Bieniemy might actually be in the running to be an offensive coordinator and one of the teams he might actually be in the running for offensive coordinator was the Cardinals? That blew my mind. I mean, it still blows my mind that he might not be in Kansas City next year. It seems like the options are Kansas City OC, Commanders OC, Cardinals OC, uh, Colts is kind of being floated out there. I mean, I just wish the Colts would hire somebody so we could scratch them off the list because they are this weird, like, you have to keep mentioning them because they don't have their coaching staff, but who knows what they're going to do. But you're right. I mean, the Chiefs are in the AFC Championship every single year. They are now the team, like the Patriots used to be, that are in the Super Bowl every other year, it feels like. And you can't tell me he's not even a part of it. If he wasn't a big contributor to this, they would have been like, hey, can you get lost a long time ago? <laughs> why would Eric Bieniemy? why would he take an offensive coordinator job somewhere else? Why would he do that? Immediately, we think, well, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't like it in Kansas City. Well, they, of course he does. <laughs> he just won the Super Bowl yesterday. When, when I asked myself this question, when I read this story, this rumor that is out there that Eric Bieniemy seriously is being considered by about three teams as the offensive coordinator, next offensive coordinator, and he's considered 
to be a possibility for the Arizona Cardinals if a certain coach is hired. I Why would he take the OC job here? And my first reaction is he wouldn't. So why does this story persist? That's my first gut feeling. Yeah, I, that's how I re- he wouldn't. I mean, how many head coaching interviews has he had? He's rumored to still be in the running for the Colts job. And what other teams? Nobody. No. His so, name never really came up this year. So, and that is the answer to it right there. He worked with Mike Kafka, of course, when they were together in Kansas City. Um, not only that, at some point in time, base underneath, Eric Bieniemy needs to get out of the shadow, literally, <laughs> in some instances, of Andy Reid. That's what I think. Uh, I, I think there's a real possibility the Kansas City Chiefs are actually doing Eric Bieniemy a solid if, in fact, he wants to go and be a head coach somewhere else. For whatever reason, he's not getting the juice. He's just not getting it under Andy Reid. I just I read you a bunch of the, the guys that, that have had ties to this Chiefs offense over the last few years. Doug Peterson a while back with uh, with Andy Reid, ties to Andy Reid. But then Matt Nagy, Mike Kafka now. There and, you go. And just keeps getting it. It's like, oh, yeah, but Bienemy. I said this earlier. It's like, well, but Bienemy doesn't call the plays. Neither did those other guys then. He has in games, Eric Bienemy. Yes. He has. Look at this. This is the headline uh, on CBS today, okay? Eric Eric Bieniemy's masterful Chiefs game plan was worthy of Andy Reid's praise. And then the the line underneath it is, the Chiefs needed a perfect game plan to beat the Eagles, and they got it. And they got it. So you might be on to something where he may be looking around and being like, I'm basically putting together perfect game plans and not getting a look as a head coach. I got to shake something up. Yeah, not only that, though, once again, yeah, he does. Eric Bieniemy, I think, needs to. I don't think he interviews well. As a matter of fact, I know he doesn't interview well. Why? Because he's had an awful lot of interviews. <laughs> At some point in time, you're going to you're, you're, you're going to have to get a job to prove you can't be a head coach somewhere. And the interview process is very, very important. It tells me he doesn't interview for whatever reason very well. But Eric Bieniemy is the X factor in this entire Arizona Cardinals coaching search. And it's fascinating to me. More on this as the show unfolds. Well, and he also used to be a buzzier name than he is right now. So you could you could see, even though it kind of defies logic on the surface, why he might be looking around saying, I have to do something different because winning Super Bowls isn't enough. Text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back with a Max Starks think of Super Bowl 57. We're going to ask the two-time Super Bowl champion. He'll join us quickly next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. leader. All right, welcome back to the show. We're just uh, had Zoe on earlier, Wolf. We never, we never have these two on on the same day for some reason. But it's the day after the Super Bowl, so we had Zoe first hour, Lorenzo Alexander. Now we're gonna have Max Starks join us. Max Starks, of course, has won a couple Super Bowls. We just watched Super Bowl Fifty Seven yesterday. Max, what's going on, buddy? I'm doing good, Luke. And Wolf, how are we doing today? Well, I'm doing okay as well. I'm just so thankful that we had a contested fourth quarter in a great game. Yeah, you know, it, it was it was it was one of those games where you really didn't want to see it in because you wanted to see could Philadelphia would give him a little bit of time, maybe a minute, 
to see if they could actually pull it out. But, I mean, fantastic Super Bowl start to finish. When you look at, I mean, 73 points scored in that game. We knew it was going to be high scoring. Um, they gave us everything we wanted. I'm sure there's a lot of people that were pissed that probably wanted the Eagles to win, or as Travis Kelsey was telling everybody last night, apparently nobody wanted them to win, so it was only Kansas City Chiefs fans in Kansas City, and then the rest of the world was picking the Eagles. But, uh, but I mean, fantastic game. I mean, two great quarterbacks going at it, and two great teams really going, going pound for pound. First half, you saw Philadelphia really come out the gate smoking the team we knew all season. Uh, for them to be. And then the vets took over, right? Guys, old hat. Like, hey, for a lot of us, this is our third time here. We know what it feels like on both ends of this, and we know how we don't want to feel at the end of this game. And you saw the experience kick in and really carry them over the top. Talking to Max Starks. Yeah, I don't. What, what happened to Travis Kelsey in like the last month where he decided that nobody believed in the Chiefs who are in the Super Bowl every other year? I, I, I don't know. And he just got louder and louder. He's got to pick a chip and just go with it. I think he just, he said, you know what? I read, I read this one article and this one guy said <laughs> everybody loves them. And he just stuck with that. And he just kept that probably in his locker, probably had it laminated, you know, a little, 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 that, that locker room tape or the locker tape that you put in your high school locker, boom, put it up in there and just stared at it every day till he believed it. He did, and it was clearly off of like some Bengals blog <laughs> yeah. from like three weeks ago. Yeah, um, exactly, the Burrowhead blog. So, <laughs> yeah, that didn't help. So we, haven't, uh, we really haven't gotten into this play yet, Max, but we were talking more about the remarkable performance by Patrick Mahomes and how good of a job Jalen Hurts did, and we can certainly go down that path. But the James Bradbury holding call, we really haven't even discussed yet today. I'm sure it's all they're talking about about in Philadelphia. Where did you come out on that play? It didn't decide the Super Bowl, but in that moment, it was kind of like, all right, then the Super Bowl's over. Yeah, no, that, that play did decide the Super Bowl. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just put it out there, Luke. No, that play, you know, I mean, I get I get the concept of, of the whip route, and, you know, if it was the left-hand motion that he got called for, I, I, I'm a little upset. At, at how ticky tack that one was when they've been very physical and very grabby all game, but if now if they called that inside right hand right before that, right. when the initial um, turnaround was made and Bradbury reached there, I'm okay with it because I think that was the moment. But the second, if you're calling on the second hand that barely grazed his jersey, yeah. I didn't even see a tug. Then, then I, I I would be upset about it. But I think there was still a lot of other plays. That could have been made before that, and you know, and I had family, you know, talking. We're and I was explaining to them, you know, what made Jazz, they're like, what what made Bradbury do that? And I said because he probably got away with it for the entire game. At some point, he had multiple times where he did it, and nothing was called. And then in this moment, you have it called. You have a referee looking specifically at Juju on that move and saying, "Oh, there it was, James Bradbury. Yep, there it is," and threw the flag. Um, you know, I still think one of the biggest turning points, and, you know, I was listening to this earlier, and I was like, absolutely, I agree with that. The Jalen Hurst fumble with the Nick Bolton scoop and score. I think that was really, if we're going to pick a play that was the difference and the turning point, it was more so that than the Bradbury hold. 
Yeah, no, I would agree with that, Max. Um, you know what I love about this, though? It was a great game. It was a contested game. It wasn't, to me, it wasn't sloppy. Um, the Chiefs, though, what I also love about this game is the fact that Chiefs, I think, beat the Eagles. And I know they beat the Eagles on the score 38-35. But when you go inside some of the matchups, Max, the Eagles were the better rushing team. Max, you okay? <laughs> Oh, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Max just blasted the outer space. That's awesome. <laughs> what you, happened? What happened? Okay. Um, I just heard a, a car with a, a loud muffler that was driving by you or something. Anyways. Yeah. No. No. You know. You know how the kids like those little muffler pipes. Okay. Things, I right? thought. I thought maybe it was you. Anyways. Um. The Eagles yeah. were the better rushing team in this game coming in, and the Chiefs actually outrushed them. The Eagles had the vaunted pass rush, and guess what? The Chiefs did not give up a sack in this game. Now, it doesn't mean there wasn't some duress on Pat Mahomes. I guess what I'm saying is the Chiefs played so well, and they beat the Philadelphia Eagles. It wasn't a fluke. No, it wasn't a fluke. I give all the credit in the world to that Chiefs offensive line. Um, they, they, they stepped up to the task. They, he- they held Fletcher Cox. They held Brandon Graham. They held Hassan Reddick. Um, Javon Hargrave, even big old Jordan Davis. I mean, they held them at bay and really gave them more than they could handle. I think this offensive line, they, they've been through the fire. One of the things I will say, the AFC was the tougher of the two conferences to get out of. So when you have played the Bengals defensive line, you played that Jacksonville Jaguars defensive line, you played the Bills defensive line, when they had Von Miller, you had seen similar guys at, similar, at, at different points throughout the season it's just that you got all of them at once, and all of those guys had to step up and really go on their knowledge bank and come out and play those type of games. And I thought that they did a remarkable job. Like I said, Isaiah Pacheco, that kid is made out of steel. I mean, I don't oh, care what man. anybody says. That hit he took, I thought he broke a rib. I thought he broke a rib. And then the one on the sidelines, like literally like two plays later, <laughs> he, he got cartwheeled on the sidelines, yes. and the kid just kept up and kept running. I mean, he was tough. and. That's that mentality. You know, when you're identifying and making it a point to have an identity, they had an identity that said, we will not give up and we will not yield. And they went out there and they imposed their will upon upon the Philly defense. Nothing like finding a player like Isaiah Pacheco at the end of the draft. That, uh, that'll, that'll, that's how you win when you're giving your quarterback a ton of money, right, is you find players like that. Yeah. Max, great stuff as always, man. Thank you. Uh, thanks for everything this season. We'll talk to you again soon. No, I appreciate it, guys. Y'all take care, and it was a blast as always. See you next season. Okay, Max. Love you, buddy. Talk to you later. It's uh, Max Starks joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back, back to basketball. Will Suns fans have a hard time dealing with the loss of Mikel Bridges until we actually see Kevin Durant suit up in orange and purple? We tested that theory this weekend, and it was not easy. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, Wolf, Saturday. So we had the Suns play on Friday. Get the win over the Pacers, okay? It's nice. nice. Go out there and get a win. They're 10-3 and in their last 13, even with all the, the guys coming back from injury or leaving in trades. And right now, you know, you've traded these, these guys away. You haven't gotten anybody back yet. <laughs> 
Baisley hasn't played yet. Warren hasn't played yet. Kevin Durant hasn't played yet. But those guys are playing for other teams. Mikel Bridges on Saturday night. How weird was it watching him in a Brooklyn Nets uniform put up 23 against the 76ers in a 101-98 loss? Let's just start there. Watching that game, I'm like, eh, can he just still play wearing a Suns jersey even if he's going to play for Brooklyn? Yeah, that was really, really hard to watch that right there. Um, yet the smile was there on Mikel Bridges' face. Uh, the three was there after he did the three. But, uh, you know, it was it was Mikel Bridges, and yet he was wearing a Brooklyn Nets uniform. And it just... It felt like went, a Halloween costume. Totally! It's just, it was such a weird vibe that you got right there. And tell me it did not make you a little bit sad. Yeah, it did. It and did. It, it bummed me out. Maloney hit on this before the show, and it, it, it's it's spot on. Okay, he traded away. I would argue he's, Mikel Bridge is going to go down as one of the favorite sons in, in team history. Like, he's not, he's not the best son player in team history. He's going to go to, if you were a fan of this team for the last four and a half years, you'll be telling people in 20 years about Mikel Bridges. Like, yeah, I know he wasn't here that long in the grand scheme of things, but he was like everybody's favorite. So you traded him away, but you're not getting to see Kevin Durant yet. <laughs> so it's like going out and spending a lot of money on a car, but you don't get the car for a couple of weeks. Yeah. But you, they get to go spend your money. So that's, that's where I think this is tough right now is you're not getting the return on what is a very difficult trade to make for most Phoenix Suns fans, even if you know in the back of your mind, it's probably the right move because it's Kevin Durant. And as long as he stays healthy, it definitely is the right move. Yeah. But you're now you have to watch Mikel play for Brooklyn, and you don't even get Kevin Durant now for, what, probably at least another week? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was sad. It did sadden me to see him out there in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. It just seems so bizarre to see the face. And we all feel like we know Mikel. And know him well. He feels like family, doesn't he? When you think of the Phoenix Suns and you think of Mikel Bridges, you think, I know this guy. I know who he is. I, I feel like I could meet him and, and we'd hit it off. You know, that type of thing. You feel that way about him because he's so, he, he's allowed you to see him. He's shown you who he is. Yeah. In the years that he's been a Phoenix Sun. I think when a lot of people think of how likable this team was last year and the year before. That's why I didn't want KD at the end of the <laughs> summer again. You think of Mikel Bridges. I mean, that's what I've made this point before, but Devin Booker, I think, is in this weird spot or unique spot, I should say, where you're talking about one of the best players in the NBA. And yet I still think he's one of the most relatable players on the Suns yes. for fans of the Suns, partially yes. just because of who he is, but also partially because he was here for the dark times. And so he went through it. Mikel Bridges kind of at the very end of it, he was one of the guys that helped pull them out of the dark uh, ages of the Phoenix Suns there. But Mikel was the other one to me that was the most relatable because of what you just said. Like this team was so likable last year. Oh, it's so likable the year before. Well, what do you think of when you yeah. think it's likable? Well, I think of Devin Booker when I think of how good they are. And you think of Mikel Bridges when you think about how likable they are. Yeah. And you traded away. Not that they won't still be likable, but right now they don't feel like a team, although they are still winning games somehow. Yeah, I, I was saddened by seeing Mikel Bridges, and then all of a sudden I thought, you, the Suns got KD, yeah. Ron. <laughs> they got Kevin Durant. And you know deep down inside, Ron, they needed to do something. We all kind of knew it. We all kind of felt it. They needed to do something. They just happened to be able to pull off 
the biggest thing that happened at the trade deadline by acquiring Kevin Durant, one of the best players to ever play the game. I wasn't being overly dramatic before. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that trade. Because you and I were talking about it last week. Wow, this is this is maybe the biggest trade in Valley sports history. And I know some people are like, well, the Barkley trade. And that's fine. We can have that debate. <laughs> but that wasn't what I was hearing over the weekend. I was hearing people saying this is the biggest trade in NBA history. Oh, okay. Oh, man. Because they were going Ooh. back, or at least in the last 20 years, there was okay, a lot of people yeah. saying, you talk about, it, in terms of a player, the caliber of Kevin Durant getting traded and good pieces going back, too. See, I, I you know, I, I would... Um I would dispute the Charles Barkley 1992 trade as the biggest trade in the history of um, Arizona sports or whatever it is, however you want to frame it. Um, the reason why I say that is because here, when you lose a Macal Bridges and a Cam Johnson, you lose those guys. Yeah. You're losing two guys that were famously popular here. Yeah. And that that feels like that's the biggest trade because you also got Kevin Durant in the trade. Now I realize Charles Barkley, Charles was the king, of course. We all know that. But Chuck's man, great, he's not Durant. Yeah, Chuck's not Durant, and he would say that himself. Um, he played and he got things done. In I don't know what he would say era. about Durant. Doesn't he not like Durant? Yeah, I feel like a those different two, yeah. era. But I but I think Chuck respects his talent, of course, obviously, yeah. and recognizes it. But to me, I think it's it it left a bigger mark on us this time around because of McCallum's camp. That's hundred percent it. It's it's what you gave up. You know, I don't know that anybody's realistically going to sit down and say, "Well, Charles Barkley's better than Durant." But I'm, to me, that's not even where this is a potentially you bigger did trade. Horny Jeff Hornacek, yeah, in that trade, but. Yeah, that's and I mean I can't speak to that as well. Obviously, I didn't have sure. any sort of perspective on that compared to this. I feel like anytime there's I, I think a big Mikhail trade, Bridges though, going back to your original comment about Mikel, I think you're right. I think most people will say he's going to be one of the most popular sons in the history of the Phoenix Suns, and he's really good. And so the, you always have the recency bias, right? Because this happened last week, sure. but it, it goes both ways. It's well, that just happened. It's got to be the greatest thing, or well, that just happened. There's no way we could be this close to something that was so great. The greatest thing must have been years and years ago. And we got to see how this plays out. But in terms of just the ramifications of a trade where you traded two pillars of what you're building for one of the best players in NBA history, not to mention a billion picks, it's a pretty big trade. Well, so I was just going to say this, because Devin Booker, after the game on, I believe it was Friday, was on Bally Sports. And just thinking of, you know, how, you know, good of friends Booker and KD is when Tom Leander and Tom Chambers literally asked Devin Booker about the KD trade, this is where he immediately went. Um, and I think the only um, good part of it is that they're still together and they have each other to lean on. But, you know, they'll be very well missed here in the Valley, as everybody knows. Um, you know, but friends and brothers for life. Uh, we'll stay in contact forever and, you know, we'll see what they're doing in, what, 2026? Yeah, Booker's on board. Nice. All right, so somebody else is on board. 2026, he's a UFA. It's just crazy to me to think, like, we got one of the best NBA players in the world coming to the Valley, yet everybody is still hurting over Mikel and Cam. And not to mention, Campaign posted on Instagram yesterday a picture of Mikel Bridges' dog because Campaign is watching Mikel's dog right now. (laughs) And he literally said in the um, Instagram, I had to explain to your dog what's going on. (laughs) 
That's great. It is, though. It's one of the reasons why we all felt it. We all we all felt the sadness of saying goodbye to these guys. And is it a possibility? Do you think it'd be a possibility that somehow, some way, Macau Bridges might come back to the basin? You better believe I it. Mean, it's just over three years. Cam Johnson as well. I keep I keep glossing over Cam, and I feel bad. About I do too that. because I really I like Cam. Cam. I yeah, know. yeah. No, and I think everybody does. Like and Cam was, is a fan and, favorite. And Cam is good. Guess what? I, you know, you're talking about a guy who can shoot the three ball as well as anybody in the stinking league. Yeah, no, that's. I mean, they gave up. They gave up a lot. This is James Jones again with Burns and Gambo. Uh, they asked him, "How hard did you have to fight to try to keep Mikhail? As hard as I could. Um, <laughs> you never want to give up your good player. So, um, I think if it was just that easy to to do it, I mean, there wouldn't have been a discussion. Um, this was a long process when we talked about Cam, Mikhail, Jay Crowder, uh, Dario Saric, because it's just not um, KD. It's the other guys." that have been a part of what we've been doing that had to be included in some form or fashion. So, look, I, I get it. It's it's uh, it's a great time to be here in Phoenix where you have, you know, renewed excitement about our championship aspirations and our, and our guys that are no longer with us are going to go on to do great things. So, you know, we move forward and we try to improve and, and, and continue to push towards a championship. A championship, man. A championship. And uh, coming into this season, I was hoping the Phoenix Suns were going to be able to compete for a championship. And then all of a sudden watching it through about 45 games, it was like, okay, at some point in time, something's going to have to be added here because I don't think they can actually win a championship based on what we were seeing. Some of the guys that were seemingly taking a step back and it just looked a little disjointed. That's the word that I would use, disjointed. And now all of a sudden they make a move where a championship out of, out of I don't want to say out of nowhere, but now you've got these hardcore analysts saying the, the Phoenix Suns are the favorites to come out of the West. They're going to get a shot to play for a championship. I, that to me is unthinkable. I've got to see it based on onions to believe it. I do even though you can look on paper and say it. That, to me, is the most difficult part for me to get on top of, is the fact that people are, this is it. They're the favorites to come out of the West. Oh, my goodness. Out of nowhere, it feels I, like, I'm going to be disappointed if they don't come out of the West exactly. at this point. Yes. I, I, mean, yes. I, I think part of that is because they came out of the West two years ago. So it makes it a little bit easier for me. This is not like, hey, 10 years of missing the playoffs and they just traded for a guy so they're going to win the title. I just know how hard that is. No, I know. But, I mean, you got Kevin Durant. How much does it speak to the fact of how much this fan base likes Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson, though? But James Jones even has to talk about them. You just traded for Kevin Durant, dude. Usually when you make a trade like that, nobody even remembers who you traded. That won't be the case here, obviously. And what did Booker say? 2026, right? UFA, Mikel Bridges. Oh, and Matty Ish. Way to go, bruh. He wasn't even officially the owner a week ago at this time. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.